Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Star Trek The Pod Directive. I don't know which numbered episode it is, because we record these out of order, but it's the next one you're hearing. My name's Tawny Newsom. If you listened to the last one, this is the next one. There's no way around that. No, that will see its day in court and I will be found victorious. <laughs> History will be on, on your side judging you uh, softly with your song. Who are you? Who am I? Why, I'm Paul F. Tompkins, one of your co-hosts. Oh, and I'm Did- one of your co-hosts. <laughs> Just two people who've fallen down a flight of stairs oh and then God. stood up and are looking at each other trying to figure out how to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is like we both have amnesia and we're trying not to let the other person know that, that yeah. we have it. Me? Of course I know where I work. I drive no, there. No, I... Definitely know where I am and who I am. (laughs) So how many boats do you have? (laughs) The normal amount. Shonda Rhimes, hit me up. The double amnesiacs meet cute. I don't Ah. know what that is, but there's something there. (laughs) We have a wonderful episode today because we are talking with the delightful John Hodgman. This guy is an old buddy of mine. We've known each other for a long time. You know him. Mm-hmm. You've hung out with this dude. You've been mm-hmm. on stage with him. I once texted him about bed bugs. Does that count as a friendship? <laughs> I think that's very intimate, and yes, it does. He once flippantly... I didn't know, I didn't know you guys were on bed bug terms. <laughs> he once flippantly told uh, my oldest friend, Steph, and I, we were at uh, SF Sketchfest, which <laughs> we mentioned in this episode. We were backstage, and he was talking mm-hmm. at length about bed bugs, and he jokingly said... If you ever think you have bed bugs, text me and I'll tell you. And six months later, Stephanie and I went on a trip to the Caribbean. We stayed in a weird little place and we thought we had bed bugs. And she said, text John Hodgman. (laughs) And I did just that. And I did not have bed bugs. (laughs) You know, I once, well, uh, someone that I live with that I'm married to once thought we had bed bugs because... I was about to do a uh, uh, a job that I was very stressed out about, and I woke up one morning and I had um, marks on my arms mm-hmm. that she that were very itchy, and she Googled and they looked enough like bed bug bites that mm-hmm. she was convinced we had bed bugs until we did another Google search and they turned out to just be stress hives. Um, oh, no. Which vanished the next day. I'd never had that before. It was the weirdest thing. But for a good, I'm going to say good two, three hours, 
we thought, <laughs> I guess we have to burn our mattress. That's terrifying. I wish we'd known to text Hodgman. We could have saved some yeah. time. <laughs> Next time, text Hodgman. Um, the Trek equivalent of bedbugs, they're always like absolute, they're sentient, they're intelligent, and they like turn into, like what was that? Didn't Wesley have an issue with like the nanobots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I digress yet again. But those those were Trek bedbugs, were <laughs> these little intelligent <laughs> microscopic robots who robots who are fucking up the ship. And by that time, Hodgman's century's dead. He can't help you unless no, they preserve him in a hologram. It was fun listening to you two chat because you've known each other so long. Um, <laughs> there was some gentle ribbing going on. All in all, it I was dare a, say a, a comfy, a comfy, delightful little chat. With, with your pal, John. I, I enjoyed it. He's a big TNG fan, and we talk about why that is and get into what it was for him. Um, I feel like he watched TNG at a pretty formative time in his life. He said he was watching it in mm -hmm. college. I tried to yeah. think when we were talking, I tried to think what was I like watching religiously in college, and I can't really think of anything. I don't remember that being a big TV time for me. What were you watching in college? It was not. Well, you know, I'm famously a college dropout. Uh, I got my education on the streets. And I don't remember watching a ton of TV in that time myself. I think I was because I was also um, I was starting stand up and I was working day jobs and stuff. And I don't mm -hmm. I don't think I had access to a TV for a while. <laughs> as, yeah. as sometimes happens when you are younger. Um, I did not have access to a lot of media, mm -hmm. but I do remember watching TNG in prime time when it came out when I was young. Mm. Um, but older than John, but I, I guess I would have been in my, I would have been in my late teens, early twenties. So yeah, I would have been like around college time, but I fell off. I, I think I watched like the first couple seasons and then, uh, mm. no more TV for me as I am counting change to buy food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I also didn't watch a lot of TV cause mine was during that weird land between where like nobody really wanted to bother with cable, but the streamings weren't a thing yet. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think I watched much. This was the time before the streamings. Heresy, there was no before. Only now. Only streamings now. The elders know you are young and have much to learn. <laughs> fie, I say. Fie on you. Oh, I shall ask oh, the elders wait, myself. What time, <laughs> wait, what time I period are we in? <laughs> I don't know. Fie made an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Fee, Foe, and Fum get sad that they don't get as much airtime as their buddy Fie? Anyway, should we get to <laughs> Fum, let's do it. All right, we're going to uh, let you listen to us chatting with good old John Hodgman right after this break. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Get the best merch in the universe with Star Trek products from ParamountShop.com. Shop Galaxy shirts, NX-01 hats, Starfleet Command sweatshirts, and more. You can take 20% off with code TREK20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Star Trek products with code TREK20 at ParamountShop.com. So it's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could say We could say it's happening. Paul, what do you think? Is it happening? You know what I think? It is happening with Hodgman. John Hodgman. Hello. John Hodgman. I mean, look at what's happened. Look, we're we're te <laughs> we're teleconferencing. It's true. <laughs> the future has become real. It's true. We're view screening mm -hmm. each other. On you know? screen indeed. That's right. On screen. This is how we talk. 
You're right. Do you think that on any iterations of the Enterprise or the other spaceships, when they were looking, excuse me, starships, when they were looking at the view screen, the <laughs> eye line problems, like they didn't know where to where to look. <laughs> That's why they made the view screen so big, right? That you it automatically you look like you have the right eye line, right? You, you have to try not to look in the right direction. Do you think they ever asked for the for the view screen to be sort of tilted up and down a little to get a better angle on? Because I mm-hmm. like a little, I look a little from the top stuff to, mm-hmm. you know, to de-emphasize my neck meat. You sure. Know what I mean? Right. I sure. think that um, the the challenging part is, you know, if you're, when you're talking to one person uh, and they're up on the screen, of course they fill the screen. But when you're talking to, when the other person's talking to like the bridge of the enterprise. Right. Yeah. What are they seeing? Are they There's- seeing just like, it? are they seeing everybody like gallery, the, ga- gallery view, the, the the guy with no lines in the back, <laughs> who's pretending to look at some dots. Yeah, right. Uh, it must be such a pain if you're the guy in the back, just doing your work at your little workstation there, and you know that Captain Picard or whoever has called up the the Romulan, who's you know got the missiles trained on the ship, mm-hmm. and like you know that you're in the shot, so you can't yeah. pick your nose or anything. Yeah, like you you now are you like can't uh, hide. Look, be, I'm just trying to collate this data. I don't want to be a part of this negotiation. If you go to the bridge, you have to be camera ready at all times. At yeah. all times. There is no, oh, can we just do no video on this one, guys? Can we do no, <laughs> right. no video on this skirmish in the neutral zone, guys? Right. Please. Right. Yeah, and you have to sign You have to sign a release, too, before you go on the bridge. You have to sign a release. Oh, no. Always. Oh, every no. single Always. time. Every, every time. And you know the residuals during any of those communications are not great. It's no, next to no, nothing. They're not. they're you not. have to chase them down. They're not just, right. you yeah, can't always. rely on them to send it. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. This also brings up a question I've always had, which is where's the camera in the mm-hmm. screen? Yeah, because, right. And a thing I've noticed, which is that you'll get different angles. So let's say you're on the Klingon ship. We're, we're looking into theirs. When it reverses and shows what the Klingons see, sometimes you see the whole bridge. Sometimes you'll just see kind of a close-up. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, right. we getting close-ups on the, on the view screen here? Who's directing the the nineteen cameras? Do you know what I mean? Who's in charge of mm-hmm. selecting gallery view? That's an view? interesting episode of a show. I think is the director of the telescreen. Yeah, for each <laughs> ship. Let's go to four. Let's go to four. Roll on four. And <laughs> pushing closer. And he's angry. Let's let's get a nice zoom in there. Just go nice in there. He's got some lovely veins popping out. Uh, I'll tell you. You know. One of the great signifiers of the future in Star Trek and other science fiction stuff is the visual telephoning, right? Mm-hmm. That was always a big, along with jetpacks, that was a big signifier of this is the future. And the jetpacks never materialized, but now we've got it. We've got, we've got the, tele, the video telephoning thing. Everybody resisted it until it was absolutely necessary because it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> This is, ter- this is, I mean, I love seeing your faces. I miss you both very much, but this is a hard way to communicate with other people. Don't you think it's now it is, but I will say this, and I've thought this many, many times during this, uh, situation that we are in. Sure. We're so lucky that we have this. Yes, that's true. Because, yes. you know, the, the idea when, when people are, are saying, well, I have to be home for Thanksgiving. First of all, come on, Thanksgiving. No. Like I, I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> Uh-huh. I love Thanksgiving, but Christmas is also coming up. There's other holidays like that. You might as well be saying, I got to be there for 4th of July. 
got to right. be there. I can't right. not see my family. Right. You got to be there. The whole reason that we crawled out of the slime was so that we could do things like this and we could still preserve ourselves as a species. Mm-hmm. So we we now have this so we can we can see each other from far away. Um, and hopefully we don't have to do this forever, but right. you know, it's, it's as, as, uh, cause I, John, I know exactly how you feel that there's times where, man, this is a real drag. This is a real drag. This is the only way we can see people, but at least we get to see people. And I try to, I have to yeah. constantly yes. remind myself of that. No, my, my contention was, this is a real drag because we have to see people, which is to say, <laughs> <laughs> You don't want which any of it. To, which is to say, I am excited to see your your lovely faces, and and this is good social. This is good for socializing or whatever, but for like rut, routine interstellar negotiations, I'd rather be on a phone call. Do you know what I mean? I find that like profession <laughs> professionally, the and even though I am arg- arguably have been a performer at times, professionally I find. This weird, like, uh, a self-consciousness about how I look. Mm-hmm. Not only mm-hmm. am I listening to what you're saying, but I'm also tracking what you're each doing. I'm trying to present myself. as There's just a lot of extra, I don't know, mental work that goes on that makes Zoom meetings mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. tiresome than, than phone calls. I got you. But podcasts, it's a delight. It's a delight. No, <laughs> no I know what you mean. It's true. In a way, we are that yeoman in the back who has to be camera ready <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i guess we're all in a way picard and some random helmsman yeah and it is like a yeah it, it's an added bit of energy that you have to put forth i also think though that like it is uh changing how we communicate and how we speak because now anytime i speak to a person's flesh face <laughs> Like in a in a live setting. I'm sorry, I said flesh face. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. That's the new. That's the term. That's the term. I, I, I think weirdly, I'm experiencing what's the opposite of a delay. <laughs> but in real time with people, I feel like I'm anticipating glitches. Or this is hard to explain, but I do feel like I'm yeah. anticipating a, a difficulty in communicating that is not there. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that's a result of me being on this uh, view screen machine for what feels like 37 hours of every day. Yeah. But let's face it. It's fun to see each other. It really is. Yeah. And for them, for Ricard and them, you don't want to handle that shit on a phone call. You want to no. see the forehead aliens, especially when they're new, weird forehead situations you want to be like what's this dude all about how dark is the ship i feel like you could always tell if it was going to be friendly or or contentious based on how shadowy and dark the ship was and how like ripped and ragged their costuming was yeah 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 if they were wearing a lot of burlap sacks that that was a signifier for sure yeah by the way have you guys read picard and them by harper lee Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I guess a, I guess a view into the other ship is probably valuable information. But if I were just if I, just as a matter of routine, I would just like, can I just uh, can I can I just put this into my earbuds and pace around in my ready room and look at my fish while we talk? You know what I mean? It is uh, funny to think of high level negotiations being uh, uh, <laughs> taking place while someone's folding laundry. <laughs> <laughs> We don't 
see a lot of laundry in the in the Star Trek universe. Maybe do they, we? Just, they make no. new clothes every new day. clothes every day, right? That's what a replicator's for. Oh, that's so confusing. That's how is that not wasteful? I don't fully understand how you replicators reuse aren't the, wasteful. You reuse the molecules. <laughs> so you just feed your dirty uniform back into the replicator? Yeah, I would imagine so. Right? This has to have been addressed. There has to be canon on this issue. Yeah. But yeah, if you've got a replicator that makes new food, like what do you do with the leftover food? You throw that back in the replicator, takes those molecules, makes more Earl Grey hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a self-sustaining thing. There's got to be a better way for, you know, your holodeck costumes to be acquired than you you have to make them in your room and then you have to walk <laughs> all the way to the holodeck in your, you know, taming of the shrew outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's yeah, like, they, oh, would, they would you'd walk. Be in Kate again, huh? They would walk to the holodeck. I, hang on, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting word from a, a higher authority. Items thus disposed of serve to fuel the replicator and could potentially become other items in turn. Once a meal, that, so now, grand. I, I'm. This could this could be Star Trek trivia or a scripture that I didn't know. <laughs> Some passage from the Bible. Once a meal was finished, the used dishes, utensils, and uneaten and edible portions could be placed back inside the replicator to be automatically recycled. All right. Thank you, Hire. Thank you, computer. That's right. incredible. Yeah. The, the plates makes me think that they forgot to do plates at first. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like they would ask for like a spaghetti marinara, and then it'd just be like a pile of spaghetti that you had to pick up with your hands. <laughs> Also make me a plate. It's like dealing with a genie. Yeah. <laughs> you got to give it a full, like, yes, a fork, please. <laughs> uh, very, very The literal. first time it just threw hot cocoa everywhere. Uh, <laughs> in a cup. <laughs> oh, you're so literal, computer. Oh, it's very Amelia Bedelia. Um, John, you're a yes. big TNG fan. Um, was that your first? We like to ask people what their first contact was. What was your first contact with Trek? Well, I am a very elderly. So I <laughs> I did not see the original series uh, during its original run, but I was born in the year 1971. So I was watching, you know, it was part of my... Um, the menu of syndicated options, television options to me. You had uh, all kinds, you know, I think it was on Channel 56, they would run, you know, Benny Hill and also Star Trek. <laughs> Get Smart was Channel 25, I think. Uh, definitely Brady Bunch was 56. In any case, TOS was on rotation, I believe Channel 56 in the Boston area. And if I got that wrong, fine. Because I didn't, I didn't care, I didn't get into it. I, I was not... As a youth, I did not find Star Trek great. I, I liked it. It was fine. But I, I was not enchanted by it. I think mm -hmm. thinking back, particularly in contrast to the next generation, there's a lot of machismo to Captain Kirk that did not speak to young, asthmatic, Tweedy Hodgman. I loved cool. Spock. Spock was cool. You know what I mean? By the way, uh, uh, Newton, Massachusetts' own uh, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, I did not know that. So... The original series, like, I did not get into Captain Kirk. He was too rapscallion-y, too mm. macho, too much for me. And so it was just part of the overall palette of my culture. Um, I went to see Star Trek, the motion picture, when it came out. 
I think I was as confused as anyone else was about it. Um, <laughs> loved Star Trek The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, because they made it a rollicking adventure, which is what Star Trek wanted to be on some level, as well as a story about a future society and a, and a different way of interacting with other creatures and a different way of interacting with different beings. You know what I mean? But it was also mm-hmm. fun. But the next generation got me, and I remember, I you know, I was obviously curious about it, and I saw it, the premiere at Damon Graff's house, uh, Encounter at Farpoint. <laughs> and I, th- I think the thing that I liked first of all about it was that that guy from Dune was in it, Patrick Stewart. I liked that. <laughs> I liked, I immediately cottoned to him because he was not uh, macho. He was mm-hmm. uh, a thoughtful, highly professional, highly considerate leader mm-hmm. who was not going to go down to the planet, which was even to my 16-year-old knowledge of uh, naval f- procedure. Yeah, the captain probably stays on the ship. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably is protected on the ship, you know. And then, of course, John DeLancey swoops in on that mm-hmm. huge uh, motorized arm as Q in his ridiculous judge costume, which I think about every day at least, and starts putting humanity on trial. I'm like, Oh, this is very thinky. I like this. Thinky, professional, calm. Mm-hmm. So they kind of had me from there. So that and then and then I really I really got into it once I got to college a couple of years later when it was on every night on, uh, on the local television station and it was um I started to follow the characters and get into the lore and and was just enchanted by it. Did you ever go back and revisit the original series? No no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, <laughs> I realized that what I was getting out of The Next Generation was something that the original series would never give me. Right. The original series, I mean, obviously a trio of three characters who have a beautiful interaction with each other. Obviously, the original series represented the best of science fiction of its time and was groundbreaking societally and in a lot of ways, but not in a way that hit me particularly strongly because the fact that there was a black woman on the bridge was not revolutionary to me because there was always a black woman on the bridge. That's because of what Star Trek pioneered, the international or international seeming and interracial casting was just, that's the way the world is. So that was a good, that was a good thing for me to see, not a great thing for me to take for granted, right? Right. But I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't spark to it as like that's an amazing vision of the future. I'm like, that's what the vision of the future should be naturally, you know, because Star Trek was already there. But what I got from the next generation was not merely Picard, but a whole group, and I would dare say family, of basically well-balanced, highly professional, empathetic, decent people who were all working together to do their job in a non-dramatic way. Mm -hmm. And I've said this before on my podcast, the Judge John Hodgman podcast, available at MaximumFun.org every Wednesday. And I'll say it again now. It's like, to me, the the disappointment of every episode was when something happened. Mm. Like, they were so non-dramatic interpersonally that Mm -hmm. I just reveled in their professionalism, Mm -hmm. their decency to one another, Definitely their tidiness. That ship looked tidy. (laughs) 
I wanted, I just wanted one episode that was routine mission. They go to survey a planet, do it, go home. Like anytime something would break, would break the, the, the serenity of Star Trek, the next generation, I would, I'd be like, I know that you have to do this. I know you have like, and you know, when Jean-Luc Picard becomes a, becomes locutious of Borg, of course, that's necessary because you love him so much. You hate to see him transformed that way. I know you have to do it, Star Trek, the next generation, but just give me one, just give me one where nothing happens. Just like, so just what the you're hum pitching. of the, I just want to hear the hum of the ship. You know? <laughs> they ha- that's available on YouTube. You can definitely hear the hum yeah, of the okay, Enterprise good. D and use yeah. it as a sound machine to go to sleep. Sure. Um, what you're pitching, and I'm not mad at this, and I think there's room in the franchise as, you know, we keep making like 400 new shows every year. Yes. I think there's room for an ambient Star Trek show with no plot. Right. It's just all ambiance. It's just setting and vibe. You're talking about the ASMR enterprise? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But there could be like, there could be dialogue. It just can't mm-hmm. be about shit. Like, yeah. it yeah. could just be like pleasantries, you know? Yeah. I mean, and if, like t- if, talk. <laughs> if TNG did a lower decks episode, they could certainly there's certainly room in the Star Trek universe for one of the one of the properties to do just an episode where uh, here's what we set out to do, and we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it, and we did it. Roll credits. Yeah. Uh, it just you know it just was so 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 soothing and so instructive too to see people working in a professional relationship like that together and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. And it made me understand a lot about sort of structure of organizations and when, when it's okay to lose your feces and when it's, when you got to hold it together, <laughs> how you approach people when there's conflict. Like I was an only child. So, and still am, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, Figuring out, figuring out how to interact with other humans, you know, productively and, and to manage conflict was a, something I was still learning into my 20s, for sure. You know, when I was watching it at college, like, figuring, like I've, I was very much a data trying to figure out how humans are. And mm-hmm. Star Trek was a real model for that, I think. And it's just tie, so tidy. It's so tidy. Now, you're both only children. And I, it never occurred to me to see, to be, to look at it from that dynamic of being like a young person <laughs> getting a taste of interpersonal dynamics from Star Trek and how people are supposed <laughs> to treat each other. Do you feel that that had an impact on your lives in, in terms of like how to deal with other people, how to, how to kind of be in a, in a faux family of sorts? I didn't know you were an, an only child. I am, yeah, and um, and my parents were not together from a very early age for me. So uh, I lived in, yeah, in like two households, mm-hmm. and neither was a big household. Like there were no children in either household other than me. So I don't know if growing up, if I if I was doing that, like learning from Star Trek, I didn't put that together. But I do know that now, when I even as an adult, whenever I observe. Uh, siblings, like sibling relationships, I'm always kind of just like, huh, is that how that goes? All right. <laughs> like, I still yeah. don't really get it at all. No, like, no. and it, I know they're all so different. There's no one way to be siblings, but I'm still constantly surprised when I see people 
relate to their sibling in a way that I didn't know was an option. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I maybe feel... I'm still kind of a data just sitting here yeah. trying to learn from good old Joe Piscopo how to, how to move <laughs> through the world. <laughs> I think like I'm definitely downloading upgrades to my programming that is making me more human like. Yeah, if you're asking if I'm a robot, yeah, Paul. Yeah. I mean, I'm not right, a human person. We I that. didn't know yeah. if it was polite to come out and ask that. <laughs> you know that, the, but the family <laughs> aspect of it. You know, I I just watched last night for the first time since it aired the final two episodes of the Next Generation, all all good things, parts one and two. I did the whole. I did both. Mm-hmm. I'm a completist of that particular <laughs> two run arc, two episode That's arc. That's good. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't, I hadn't watched it. And you know, when, when you'd asked me to be on this and asked me if there were any episodes that I wanted to, you know, talk about or focus on for some reason, I snapped to those two and I had not thought about them really since they aired. Mm. And I think partly because they, you know, I saw, I saw the first episode of Encounter at Farpoint just before I went to college. I watched the next generation throughout college and then the series came to an end more, you know, just about a year after I finished college. And so now I had seen and lived with this group for uh, three big phases of my life and it was coming to an end and I, and I was very sad about it, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember watching the episode and feeling very bittersweet about it at the time, but also appreciating, you know, we all move on. They're coming out with Voyager soon. Deep space nine is Mm -hmm. happening still. It's going to be fine. But when watching those two episodes, in, in many ways that was, so the, the story of the two episodes is that Jean-Luc Picard has become unstuck in time, right? And he's, he's experiencing a version of the future, which ends up being kind of like a, a, a first draft version of the TV show Picard. But he's in the future confronting uh, uh, weird memories of the past that he doesn't remember. And then he's in the present tense of the show. And then he'll snap back to the very first time he set foot on the Enterprise. And he begins to realize that there's a problem happening in the neutral zone, a space-time anomaly that exists in all three timelines that is connected in some way. And only he can perceive this shift in time. Later, we learn that Q has purposefully unstuck him in time to give him yet another challenge. And Q gets to wear that incredible judge's robe again. It's a big full circle episode. And... Uh, you know, he solves the mystery. He's tested again. Humanity is tested again. They win. And then it's the end. And in many ways, it's beautifully written. And it's like wonderful to see these flashbacks to the, 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 the costume designs of the first episode and where everyone was at that point. And then to visit this potential future where Riker is now the captain of the Enterprise. And you know that it's the future Enterprise because it's got three nacelles. Whoa. You really <laughs> modded that thing out. <laughs> But in many in many ways, it's just a reminder that this is a family that has been together for a long time. And while there is this space-time anomaly and this mystery that needs to be solved and the fate of the human race is at stake, in many ways, it feels very much like the episode I always wanted where it's just routine. It's just character service. Yeah. And it ends, of course, with a very small moment where Captain Picard finally joins the main characters in their whatever weekly poker game or whatever for the first mm-hmm. time. And he says, I wish I had done this years ago. <laughs> and Troy says very passive aggressively, you were always welcome. And then that's the last yeah. thing. 
<laughs> and then, as though to emphasize, it's not our fault you yeah. weren't here. <laughs> and as to emphasize the the full circleness of it, like we've gone back to see them as they first met, and the and then where they may go in the future. But now here we are with them one last time, and the camera goes overhead, circles around the circular poker table, and then that that fades into the circle of the saucer section from seen from above, right? And I was like, yeah, that's a beautiful ending to this show. It was a fitting farewell. But it also in that moment made me realize why, with all due respect, the Next Generation cast movies never really clicked for me. Mm. Because, you know, the Next Generation was spending time with your friends and your family, right? That's the kind of show it was. It was a surrogate family show. You went there to see your friends and family. The, yes, they went on adventures, but not like Kirk did. Kirk, you know, Ca- Captain Picard didn't have decades-long grudges against Ricardo Montalban that ate him away inside, and he needed to <laughs> work it out through, you know, wrestling a lizard or whatever. Like, Captain Picard was more or less a stable human being. <laughs> so to send them off on these various adventures, like feature-length movie adventures, while some of those movies are terrific, it always felt like, yeah, can we just, let's play poker. Let's just play poker. We don't have to go, we don't have to go fight F. Murray Abraham on a, on a planet. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what this <laughs> is about. Disagree. <laughs> really? You like F. Murray Abraham? I mean, look, I love, I love F. Murray Abraham. he's in. Yeah. Uh, he's great. I, I love him. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. That's Insurrection, right? Yes. That's the one where Picard's just wearing that um, Wilson's leather open blazer <laughs> yeah. the whole time, just a, a buttonless blazer running yeah, around. Yeah, they they take off their uniforms because the 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 se- the secret society within Starfleet is going to sell out this planet to give to this other the F. Murray. Oh, Abraham right, to make everybody young again, wrinkly face race. I love that one. I know it's that one's a controversial movie, but I that's I love that one. I love everyone just being like, I feel young for some reason. Let's open our shirts and be weirdly tan. There's just so much bronzer. Ugh, I dig it. I love it. I mean, I get what you're saying about, you know, one thing that I've realized through doing these talks with people for this pod is that everyone who has like a, a, a their trek they they might feel a little bashful about saying like just this one just this one please because I think you know there's a lot of like talk in the fandom about being inclusive and about being open to all the new series and I think both conversations are valid because all the series are so different that yeah. I think it's okay for you to just have your little thing and you just want it where it was and it was perfect for you you weren't as interested in the movies it didn't make you interested to go back because the original series is more you know it's almost like watching a western or something yeah. compared to these scientific morality plays that are the yes. core of uh, uh, TNG. So I think it makes perfect sense. And yeah, I, I totally get why I totally get I, your feelings I, about I'm, it. I'm not saying that the, that the movies are bad. I mean, I love first no. contact. Do you know what I mean? And Oh yeah. I, for me, it was just like my, what, what is my family doing on this adventure? I just want to see them do their thing again. Mm-hmm. And that's just me. That's doesn't mean. And I, I watched, a lot of Deep Space Nine, a lot of Voyager. I enjoy Discovery a lot. I watch Picard. I love, I love it all. I love it all. I'll watch all of it. Do you know what I mean? And the the original series, it has, you know, it's it's an it's an amazing work of art in itself, right? And I love, mm-hmm. of course, Search for Spock. James Doohan as Scotty picking up that uh, Macintosh computer mouse and going computer, trying to talk to it yes. to create transparent aluminum. 
love it all love it all don't get me wrong but to me tng that's that's my homestone i think that the big difference in in the um in the movie versions of tos and tng is that the tos movies allow for more uh of the relationships uh of the characters and the tng movies allow for less where it's it's much more about the um Mm. about the story and you know of course how it affects each character individually but it's not so much about the relationships because there is on tng there's so much about them hanging out and you know who's friends with each other you know who's best friends with each other you know right you know who's who's had past relationships but are are still like in a in a friendship of sorts and it's much more reflecting the relationships that we know yes as opposed to tos which is just like here's the story here's the thumbnail sketch of these characters this is what they are like we know yeah. that they're friends the end you know? and who and who knows if given seven seasons tos would have developed into something like that right i mean it's just a different structure you just it was primarily a story about these three white male friendships right mm-hmm. and and these three beautifully drawn characters that you enjoy their dynamic very much plus an incredible supporting cast who are supportive in the movies and at its core you know everyone knows of course gene ryan sold his wagon train to the stars or whatever it is western and at its core you have this gunslinger in in james kirk who makes a good movie hero right that's a good Mm -hmm. he's out there he wants to be in the mix that's what makes wrath of khan is one of the most beautifully constructed screenplays and nicholas meyer i think you know is genius for for figuring out that captain kirk was having a a midlife crisis and he wanted to be wanted to be out there adventuring all the time and had to learn to not do that all the time you know to grow up you know so i think Mm -hmm. you know it's there are many beautiful ways to interact with those big three but you're right paul because the next generation and arguably all that follow are really much more ensemble pieces rather than a small, a triple hander, as it were, with the, the big three in Star Trek TOS. Another episode that you mentioned loving, and this is a rare one. We haven't heard a lot of people mention that they love uh, Lonely Among Us from yeah. season three, season two of TNG. Season one, episode seven. I know that. Oh, of because- course, it's season one because Tosh is in it. Yeah. Also, I was maniacally Wikipediaing it before I joined the Zoom <laughs> because, because I did not I did not have a chance to rewatch that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you I didn't was want like, to look a fool in front of us. Just these, these harsh, <laughs> harsh purists. Well, because I remember We're the gatekeepers. I will call you I, out I if, you're, if you're a fake geek girl. We'll call you out. I will call you out. Name three songs <laughs> by that band on your sweatshirt. <laughs> I, was, I, I freaked out for a second. I'm like, what sweatshirt am I wearing? I didn't realize you were doing. It. Why, why am I? Why am I wearing a band sweatshirt? Did, did I? Did I? Did you did know I you pass, put on your corn sweatshirt. Did I pass out and get corn. dressed by someone else? Corn, <laughs> Slipknot. Um, <laughs> the lonely among us. What what is the plot of this episode? I don't remember. I okay, did the not. Plot care. Is <laughs> these lizard people and these rat people are trying to eat each other. I only know this because uh, 
before I watched it recently, um, somebody asked if uh, an episode of Lower Decks that we did was related to this episode because uh-huh. it was a similar yeah. Yeah, cannibalism between species thing. It was not. These are different races of people. Uh, <laughs> so um, but, that was that's the part that I was interested in. I'm sorry, Tony. I didn't mean to jump in there. Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. That is, uh, that's almost like the B story, which yeah. is wild because that would normally be the A story of a TNG episode, which is like, hey, these people are trying to eat each other. We got to keep them apart. That's going to take up all the bandwidth yeah. on this story. There is an there, yeah, there is an A story that has nothing to do with nothing. the snake people and the dog people, who are right. who are delegates. And I was looking, I was looking up on Wikipedia to try to remember with the names of these species because you never see them again. And I can't, oh yeah, it's like the Antikins and the that's right, the Sealy the and the Antikins. And I think the Sealy are the hissy reptile people and the antikins sure. are the rat the ratty rodenty toothy doggy people <laughs> and there are two delegations that are being escorted to some peace conference between the two of them because they don't like each other mm-hmm. and then something then then uh, then someone gets m- murdered and then it becomes yeah. data uh, solving the mystery of who murdered this person and has nothing to do with either the snakes or the dogs. <laughs> they right. are true background. And this is this was the episode. So even though I loved you know John Delancey as Q, I think everyone would agree that the first few episodes of Star Trek the Next Generation, they were finding their footing at, the, at to say the least. Sure. This was the episode where I'm like I'm in I'm in for this show because and it's just this one moment, this one line where the problem is that the Sealy are, I believe, are vegetarians and the Antikins are very dedicated carnivores. That's one of the worldview issues that separates them. Mm-hmm. And Data is making Sherlock Holmesian inquiries to find out who murdered Engineer Singh. And already I'm on board. I'm like, oh, this is a this is like a I'm I'm, I'm watching Miss Marple up in here. You know what I mean? This isn't Wagon Train to the Stars. This is a, a, a Masterpiece Theater presents mystery with an Edward Gorey <laughs> opening. Like, I'm, this is what I want. And he goes to uh, interrogate or, you know, ask the different species where they were when the murder happened. <laughs> and the Antikin representative goes, and we were having dinner. I'm paraphrasing here, but I've remembered it ever since. <laughs> uh, we were dining at that time. Something like that. <laughs> and Data goes, for nine hours? And he goes, it was a very interesting creature (laughs) (laughs) or something like it was a very intricate or interesting creature and data was like all right all right i know it had some wild well that's because that's where we learn at the end that they had eaten the the sila person (laughs) oh is that what happened right because at the end tasha the the button on the end of the whole episode, Tasha runs in and she's like, there's a pile of blood outside the Sela's quarters and what are the Sela's missing? And everyone's just like, well, that's negotiating in space. I, to me, I just, re- I don't remember how it ended. I don't remember anything else about the episode. I just remember the scene and I was just like, all right, you got me. Like, that's an incredible line. Mm-hmm. It is a line that, that suggest that is so suggestive, not only of something really gross, but also a, com- a legitimately a legitimately alien worldview, right? Like mm-hmm. this is our our, and I'm sorry for the for you know vegans and vegetarians who are listening, but like our culture, the fact that their culture evolves around, you know what I'm saying? It's a very large yeah. and interesting creature that they had to eat yeah, it took yeah. nine hours. Like 
Mm-hmm. And it's all being given in the context of a a Hercule Poirot style mur- murder on the Enterprise Express murder mystery, which mm-hmm. I'm totally into. And B that it's all that it's all about how do you find common ground between these two delegations of very very different cultures, <laughs> and how do you transport them safely without them murdering each other to a to a neutral point? Like it's all about diplomacy. Do you know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, I get And again, it. wild that that is the B story. And the A story is that there's an energy sphere that uh, flies into everybody's body and makes them have <laughs> swagger. I don't really know what the purpose of the energy sphere I was, but that's who killed Engineer Singh. Oh, yeah. I just remember, don't you remember Picard, like, all of a sudden puffing up his chest and walking in front of the view screen? And then he, like, sits down in his ready room and they're like, I need to know, is Picard in there? And he just goes... He is here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both here. Oh, it's so creepy. I love any, all of my favorite Trek episodes are the ones where somebody gets, uh, it, you know, infested with some alien entity where they're still kind of themselves, but they're also someone else because right. I just love seeing these incredible actors, these award-winning you know, stage and screen stars just turn on the weird arch charm and like, do bizarre posturing and yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I, I mean, I, I think that you, you touched on it there at both of you because that, that should have been the A story, right? <laughs> energy sphere always just no, like anyone pitches in the room. How about an energy sphere comes in? It's like no more energy spheres, no more clouds of light, no more, no more bizarre portals in space. Like, no more to me, big Santa Claus heads. That they were very curious <laughs> creatures. Q is the the best version of the super duper omnipotent alien of many that showed up in Star Trek through the years because he's obsessed with humanity, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously mm-hmm. that that makes the, the show very solipsistic because why would this in you know this interdimensional you know superpowered creature care, right? But that's what we care about, and when. Like I don't remember that energy sphere at all, but I remember these we- these weird, made up characters embodying something str- str- strange. I guess I don't. It's hard for me to put my finger on, but it's like, even though this, <laughs> this was a talking dog, there was a humanity to this moment. <laughs> it was character. Do you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. char- that's character, and what I think yeah. they figured out, not just because of this episode, but over time was. It's always about character. It's always about point of view, at least the ones that I think are the most powerful. Um, it's always like when 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 a character gets subverted in a way that you love, Tawny, like taken over or or shifted or made, you know, turned, you know, just a little bit off kilter in a certain way. That's a reflection of those characters that they're building. The, ba- the best conflicts are between, you know, cultural viewpoints where you understand why the other person feels that way. That's a really interesting big animal to eat. You know, I get it. You know, <laughs> that's where I felt like, and, and that's, and I think to what you said, Paul, is like they, they created a world of characters that you felt very comfortable in by the end mm. of the seven seasons. It was not just about, well, there's an energy sphere. What are we going to do about that? You know, and that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Got to deal with this energy sphere. It's like, no, you have to deal with the dog and snake people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These should have been two episodes. There should have that should have been a two episode arc. I don't. Hang on, I gotta look who look up who wrote that one because I gotta give them props. John, while you're looking oh, yeah. that up, I have a question. I I'm sure you can answer right away. 
Uh, you've done live versions of your podcast, Judge John Hodgman, many times. Yes. Uh, and you wear judges' robes. You have a gavel, the whole deal. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask? Yeah. Oh, I don't I know. Think I, I love do. when friends are on here talking to each other. Ha have you yes. tried? Have you? Or have you tried? Or are you going to when live shows are a thing again? asked for people to provide or cosplay so themselves the, as the, the Q, Q judges the Q yeah. judges, the Q judges of course robes, I, yeah. yes yes <laughs> it's it's what i want it's i mean i want that very badly I why want a set has of this those. not happened well you know i've put a before before a couple of sketch fests i have put out the call to Sketchfest is a uh, is a comedy festival that happens in San Francisco every January. Uh, that's been going for I think twenty years now, at least. Um, and uh, John and Tawny and myself have all performed there in various shows over the years, and it's a uh, it's a great time. It's a great time, and we'll we will do a live Judge John Hodgman show there. And the past couple of years, I have put out a call to listeners: if there's anyone who has access to an existing or are willing to make the Q judges robes, here are my mm. sizes. And I don't reveal my sizes often. No, wait, this is the only, this is the only path you've explored to getting this, this costume. Well, what other path is there? <laughs> I mean, well, they don't, they don't I, make one to sell. They don't make, they one, don't to make sell. one to sell. But John, I think your chances just went up by about 4,000 uh, by being on so. this Trek podcast. Because we have 4,000 because... listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, maximum. I mean, um. <laughs> I mean to. I mean to say. Now, look, Paul. You, you, you are you are someone that when a sartorial goal mm -hmm. glimmers in your eye, <laughs> you meet it. You, if you have a, if you have a look that you want, mm -hmm. you are going to find a way to get that look tailored, mm -hmm. milled, haberdashed, whatever it is. John, you Absolutely. have caught me out for being a hypocrite. You're entirely right because I have outsourced things to the internet uh, in in my in my clothing goals. But also professionals, like you know, they're they. I I don't I don't know the the story behind every one of your suits and suit jackets, but all from the internet. All I ask people to design me. <laughs> I I just all I'm saying is. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Now I'm going to say, I'm going to, what I'm trying to say is I'm lazy, right? I get the idea that I would like to wear Q judges robes. Mm -hmm. I, I make a couple of, uh, a couple of stabs at finding, sourcing the judges robes right. and seeing if anybody has them. If it doesn't come back uh, right away, I kind of just let it go mm -hmm. and move on to the next thing. Right. So yes, I have thought about it year after year after year. I've made a few attempts. Now, that said, I'll cop to being lazy, but I do not think I will I not. This, this I will not, not accept this abuse I, for trying honestly. to crowdsource it because if there's any, <laughs> because they they don't. This is not a popular costume. It's not something that is made for sale. I do not have access to the original <laughs> costume, although perhaps that could be arranged. And. Uh. <laughs> Now I you don't want the know. original costume? I don't John, want saying I, where else am saying I gonna get it. He would settle for the original where costume. <laughs> where John, else am I gonna overlooking the obvious? There are so many cosplayers, That's what there are I'm so many saying. talented people, and they're all listening to this right now. So make your ask, man. 
This, you, this okay. is your platform. All right. Look. Make your ass to be directed to Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> I was I do not helping. I'm trying to get John a direct line. I'm trying to get him to shop the local as local as possible. I, I'm, direct being, to I'm being like Q. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look. Q humans, you refuse to look at Etsy. What is it now, Q? And I'm being like a fucking Ferengi. I'm like, please just ask someone to make you a thing and give them some money for it and I don't we'll be done. I don't understand. Are you accusing me of not searching for for this costume? No, I'm saying Paul? the way to do I think we're both saying the way to do it is not like, hey, I have to do this show in a couple days. <laughs> do you? Anybody got one of these lying around? No, but also I would say if anyone wants to make one, I would pay, I, you know, right. but I just didn't, it was not a concerted effort. Right. So... <laughs> All I'm saying is that this is the this is the best shot you've got right here yeah, because agreed. this is where yeah. all the folks are going to be listening right. and they make cool things. I've seen them all over the internet. So I'm not accusing your past efforts of being lazy. Nor am I. I'm saying that you have a you have a t- you have a chance to turn things around right now. Okay, you're at a crossroads, so, John. You're at a crossroads. <laughs> let me let me say let me say to the listeners. Let me say this to the listeners. It was a long road getting from there to here, but here we go. All right, look straight down the barrel. <laughs> On screen. Hello, <laughs> listeners. John Hodgman here of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Right now, we are not able to do live shows. So uh, I am taking this time of hibernation to ask any of you to consider this humble request for some future. No pressure. Who knows what the timeline is? <laughs> for some future event, which I hope will be sooner rather than later, I would love to take the stage in the full judge's robes costume as worn by John Delancey as Q in both season one, episode one encounter at Farpoint and season seven episodes, the final two, 26? The, the, the series finale, all, all good things, seven. parts one and two, or I'm in both. If any one of you is a, is a cosplayer who would like to be paid a reasonable amount, <laughs> please contact me Hodgman at maximumfund.org. That goes directly to me. Wow. If you are, if you are worried about buying material, I am five ten, and I don't think you need to know anything else because those robes cover a lot. I don't yeah, know what John ro- Delancey robes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know my glove size or my, my weird judges hat size. Glove size. <laughs> What about your weird scuba head your, under the your crown? Snood, your snood. I think, I think I'm. Yeah. I think you know, uh, your snood size. I think I'm one size fits all in the snood department. <laughs> uh, anyway, I would love. I would love for this to happen, and I would love to honor the listeners of Star Trek: The Pod Directive with my great thanks from the stage whenever that is possible in the future. So please, if this is something you're interested in, this is a dream you're interested in making true. Contact me at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. I would probably ask to see some of uh, some samples of your work. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got to screen them. Yeah. You got to screen them. Yeah, I would like to. Yeah. If your previous experience is only making costumes for dogs, mm, going yeah. to gonna have to pass. I'm afraid I'm going to. Show me the biggest dog you made a costume for. I'll consider it. Show me the tallest dog. Yeah. Look, if you- I'm talking Pyrenees, Great Pyrenees and up. <laughs> Yeah, if your experience is only making costumes for what are the dog people called again? Antikins. Uh, Antikins, uh huh. 
Those are bipedal dog creatures. That that might work actually. Mm-hmm. Give that a try. If, you, if yeah. you've made some some judges cue judges robes for Antikins, let me know. <laughs> and John, to circle back to your earlier question, to save you having to look it up, uh, that episode "Lonely Among Us" was written by DC Fontana, DC who Fontana. is a Trek writing legend. legend. She also wrote. Encounter at Farpoint with right. Gene Roddenberry. Right. She co-wrote it, and she wrote one of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine, Dax, where Dax is on trial for uh, a murder of her one of her previous hosts may have committed. Very ethical, quandary-type mm. episode. DC Fontana coming through with the big ideas, the big ideas that are that are expressed through character. That's the that's yep. That's uh that's my Star Trek. DC Fontana, she loved big ideas and she loved dog snake conundrums. <laughs> That's what DC stands for. Dog snake conundrums. <laughs> dog snake is one That's word right. here. Dog slash snake, oh. like face slash off. <laughs> John, what are you dying to tell us? <laughs> What's something about Star Trek that you're like, if they don't ask me about this, I will explode. You mean there's some, that I know something about Star Trek that perhaps you don't? <laughs> no, I don't know. You could. You could. John, or, what uh, secrets are you hiding from us? Yeah. Why won't you tell us? <laughs> uh, or no, if there is, if there's something in like the Trek universe that that you wish that they would explore that they haven't explored yet, or or something that you would love to see happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what's your what's your big dream? I feel like the the writers throughout all of the different series and episodes have done such a clever job of both expanding the universe while also exploring the, the established universe and lore. You know, I I'd love to see those Sile and, and Antikins back again. They never came back. They kind of got blown off, yeah. except mm-hmm. you say that they're in a lower decks episode or referred to in a lower decks. Episode. No, people thought they were, including myself. When I first saw right. the lower decks animatic for that episode, they're in a, uh, uh, creatures like them are in episode uh, nine, and everyone went, "Hey, are those the those guys again?" And Mike McMahon was like, "Nope." <laughs> it's a thing that's only come up a few times in the in the world of Trek: the idea of checking back on these worlds that you've you know interacted with and kind of left to their own devices. The two the two ones I I can think of off the top of my head are. Uh, Wrath of Khan, <laughs> which yeah. is like, mm-hmm. hey, we put you on this planet. It's like, yeah, and then you never check back to see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and lower decks. Um, there was an episode in the in the first season, right? Where uh, yeah, it, episode ten. Yeah, where it's like we never check back on this race of people to see how they were doing, and it's not going great. <laughs> um, yeah, they went back to worshiping the dang computer. Yeah, again. that's we right. Go back that's to the, the uh, one. yeah, <laughs> the uh, uh, the, archons? the archons. Yeah, archons. Yeah. Yeah, like Star Star Trek status check. That would be a good. That would be a good side. Yeah, yeah. like side hey, you guys mission. still good? You still uphold uh, upholding the ideals of the Federation yeah. we gave you? Oh no, you're follow murdering ups. each other with sides again. Right? Dang it! That's its own series. <laughs> is the follow up crew <laughs> yeah. has to go back? You have all. You use all the original scripts of all the series, right? Right. Right. <laughs> and you say, okay, now write a new story about these guys. Um, we're going back to check on them and see what's going on. Yeah, and also they're there to deliver a customer satisfaction survey. <laughs> I mean, that's literally kind of lower decks. Like, right. no spoilers for second season, but we do, vis- you know, that, that's been part of the thing. Like, we revisit these places that no one's checked up yeah. on. And there are, like, there is, like, paperwork to fill out. Of, like, <laughs> how are you doing? Are you thriving? Are you using the subspace communicator? Are you not using it? <laughs> but, John, on your on your podcast, you deal with 
if people haven't heard the Judge John Hodgman podcast, is like you are settling disputes for people. Yes. Um, they write in with various disputes that they have, uh, a wide range of topics and uh and and you know really stretching the limit of what a dispute is um <laughs> it depends on how badly they want to be on a podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I, but in it you it's a very fun show to listen to thank you uh some of the the disputes are just bonkers um but you always end up giving an extremely thoughtful response no matter what the no matter what the the, the dispute is that's that's kind of you to say well i think i think that it's true i, I think you, yeah. you take it very seriously and you um as much fun as the show is like you do you don't just blow off anything and say i like this person better so you win you know right. um you you really do give uh the proper weight to each side of the of whatever the argument is like and to give listeners an idea of yeah. what the disputes are like a, a lot a lot of them tend to be you know, roommates or or spouses or partners having disputes over how to tuck in the sheets, right? Or you know, when to turn, like whether or not to get an air conditioner. Then there are more <laughs> sort of philosophical ones, like is a, do, you know, two two college buddies who have long had a dispute over whether a machine gun counts as a robot. Uh, uh, who, which which of these two old friends should uh, who 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 bought a mechanical giraffe together, a toy? And now they're moving across the country from each other. Who should get custody of the mechanical giraffe? That was a hard, that was a heartbreaker. <laughs> that that's a tough one. Uh, and so some of them are silly. Something like the, the one that we heard in uh, recently in a live show, uh, a married couple and the woman wanted her husband to promise to dispatch her if she were to become a vampire. Oh. And he said, no, I love you too much. And I would, I would live with you even though you were a vampire. Wow. I mean, if that's if that's an option, then <laughs> there's no issue. But <laughs> they're famous that famously is not an option. No, some of them are more hypothetical, <laughs> is the point. But even in that one, I mean, this is this is what I mean, this is part of part of next generation, right? Like mm-hmm. store story illuminates character. Conflict doesn't exist. Unless there are there are human reasons behind why they're having this fight, and so a lot of the Judge John Hodgman podcast is me asking questions to find out how serious they are and why why this dispute is a dispute in their lives, you know, and what's how they really feel about what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even the most ridiculous arguments, especially in you know couples, there has there is another dimension to it that is worth hearing. Unless they're just messing around and they want to be on a podcast that they've ginned up some dispute that has no meaning, in which case I hang up on them. Ooh, I like that. You need there to be stakes. I lo- yeah. Yeah, you no, they're there all, to be a even little the bit silliest of like... ones are, are genuine for the most part. So you try yeah. to figure out what's what's actually going on in the, you know, why why were you eating dinner for nine hours? Well, I have to tell you, it's, it was a very large and interesting animal. I'm like, oh, I understand your culture better now. <laughs> but at the end of these when you give these uh you you give your your judgment it is a very uh you know trekkian sort of moment where you are you're kind of summing up the episode and what the central the central question has been right and trying to reason it out and come to the most uh the most human conclusion that's definitely something that i think i took away from Picard, like Picard was always like, here's the moral principle at stake in this dispute between 
the guy who's got a forehead like this and the guy who's got a forehead like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> how do you keep that moral principle in balance? And how do you how do you decide what is the right thing to do? And sometimes the right thing to do, I guess, is to just wear a cool leather jacket and put some bronzer on and take off your communicator yeah. and just go full insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> Push a lady off an invisible, uh, uh, a decloaked ship. Yeah. Just shove her right into the lake <laughs> to save her. I forgot about That's that. my favorite part. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, no, you're in danger. Let me shove you <laughs> roughly two or three stories down into a lake of questionable depth. <laughs> Donna Murphy. Wasn't that Donna Murphy? Oh, my gosh. Was it? I got to rewatch Insurrection. Wow. Yes. Donna Murphy was like the hot young love interest in that, wow. in that movie. And she's fantastic. But, you know, I, I was listening to your episode where you interviewed the incredible Stacey Abrams. And I was struck by one thing she said about one of the things that attracted her to the next generation was um, the, the she used the term rigor. And I think that it, it was in the context of, you know, Jean-Luc Picard and the whole family believe very strongly in the principles of Starfleet, understanding that they can be flawed, right? Mm-hmm. And, but that there, that there are moral principles beside, behind them and that there are ways to, to settle disputes within the context, peacefully within the context of these moral principles. And the moral principles can be interrogated, they can be subverted, they can be acknowledged for being problematic, you learn and you grow, but the very optimistic, I mean, we always talk about how optimistic Star Trek is in, in, in its most optimistic forms. And I think TNG is really it, right? Where it's like you are watching a people, you are watching a group of people who are who are dedicated to establishing a set of principles and fairness, and they deviate from that. Their adherence to those principles is more important than the short-term needs of the moment. And that's really mm-hmm. something that particularly now feels weirdly alien, you know, as we look at our own governing systems. The idea that we may disagree, but we agree on a set of aspirational principles and we're going to work towards them. Even when we fail, we are not going to throw them out or I'm not going to misuse them or pretend that they're garbage or act and destroy mm. those principles in order to gain power for its own sake. And I think that's really important. I agree. I agree. I think it's the hardest thing. Of I course, also agree. To, I also agree with me. <laughs> the hardest thing, of course, is uh, agreeing on what those aspirational principles are in the first place. And well, of course, you know that's that's yeah. the uh, that's the the you know the utopian future that we're supposedly working towards. <laughs> that's what. That's no, of we course, and get. Starfleet yeah. is corrupt in a million different ways. But the other thing that <laughs> I think Stacey Abrams pointed out that I hadn't thought about really with regard to Janeway, Captain Janeway, and Voyager is that. She's trying to present leadership and principles without any structural backup, without mm-hmm. anyone who has her back. There is no, there is no, no one there to enforce what she says other than her moral example. You know, she what doesn't I mean? have and to I, wear a uniform if she doesn't want to. Like, who's going to know? Who's, and yet, and yet you she know. does. <laughs> yeah. How did they feel? I don't remember how it ended. Did they get back? Did they get the new? They got back. Th- did they get the new uniforms with the gray turtlenecks under the black? Uh, I don't think they did switch to the grays. I might be mistaken on that, but I here's don't know. What, the- oh, here's the here's the one that I want. <laughs> this is what I want. I want the episode. Ooh, this, now we're talking about uniforms. John comes alive. 
Uh, this is the this is what's missing for me. This is what's missing for me. The episode, like we all know about who takes care of the gardens at Starfleet <laughs> Academy. That's like right. Boothby, Boothby, Boothby. <laughs> oh, Boothby. Look, I love gardens, but who in Starfleet is designing these uniforms? What is going <laughs> oh, on? Oh, question. what a great character that would be. <laughs> you know, it's a Neelix type. It's some kind of, you know, or like his counterpart on Enterprise, homeboy, Dr. Dr. Flox. Is that his Dr. name? Dr. Flox. On Enterprise, mm. yep. the doctor. Yep. Uh, I know they're not the same species, but in my mind, they, they think kind there's of a lot of overlap. Of there. <laughs> a lot of overlap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's a guy like that, you know, it, it, cause it's not like a Garrick. It's not like a deep space nine tailor. Who's actually a spy. It's, right. it's like a, a dude who's, who just wants to like make a thing and be helpful. Or, I mean, I just uh, like, when do they decide? Yeah. We need to update the look. Like we've had, we've had these uniforms for like four years now. Let's make completely different uniforms. Now this is why Tim Gunn needs to be cast as an alien on discovery. Oh my gosh! Yes. Whoa! He'd make a great Vulcan. Imagine Tim Gunn as a Vulcan. He, yes, as a Vulcan cost a Vulcan uniform Vulcan, designer. Vulcan uniform designer. <laughs> make it happen. Make it Discovery so. Writers make room. it so. Make it so. <laughs> hey, John! Thank you so much for joining us. This was a delight. Paul, Tawny, what a pleasure to see you both. Kendra and a pleasure to see you, Kevin. It was great to see you before you took your cameras off. Uh, that's that was a choice. I admire it, Paul. I'm sorry. Anytime anyone asks me about Judge John Hodgman podcast, this is something I really need to work on. I can never remember a single case. Never. Like I cannot. It's like they're. You did great. I, it's just like like those. Yeah, those are like among the first four cases we ever did. That's like right. ten years ago. Right. I have right, to. Right. I have to build a. I'll just drill myself on on three or four really good exemplars. Just put some put some in your notes app. You know what I mean. Just have put it some there. in my notes app. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Because if you go yeah, back that's... and like just look at the titles or descriptions, you'll remember some stuff. Yeah, and I know. The ones jump know. out at you. I but you did great. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't obvious to us that you <laughs> okay. that I was flailing. <laughs> no, good. It sounded like oh, these are three fun ones he remembers yeah. and talks about all the time. So uh, good. I think it's great. All right. Well. That's all I got. Yeah. Paul, will you say hi to Janie for best. me? I will say hi to Janie. And and uh, we really do appreciate you. I'm sure you must be exhausted from driving down from Maine. And uh, thank oh. you so much for making the time. Oh, no, of course. It's yeah, my pleasure. It. Yeah, no, anytime. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That was John Hodgman, exactly as fun and silly and delightful as we promised. He's a he's a good friend. It was really exciting to have him on the show and and chat with him. That was that was neat. Yes. It's like you don't often get to do things like that with friends. Yeah, I like that. I that's been some of my favorite parts of this um Zoom podcasting world is that at least we get to see friends despite his distaste for Zoom which he mentioned, but uh you know, I know, but look, what are we gonna do? We gotta be in our little rectangles. We gotta be in our little rectangles. We gotta be in our little Brady bunches and our little, uh, our little squares. You know, I'm never coming out. By the way, I'm staying in. Did you just disappear into the machine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you now only exist in Zoom. <laughs> yeah, you're not seeing me in my home right now. You're seeing. I'm just in the screen. I've constructed this behind me uh-huh. uh, to make myself feel less alone. But it does not go beyond this rectangle. Great. I, I I'm here for it. I'm here. <laughs>
it's fine Great. by me. <laughs> cool, cool, All man. Right. I'm glad. What? Hey, whatever turns you on, knock yourself hey, out. You know what? Whatever, whatever gets you to maximum warp. But right, man. Oh. <laughs> hey, you do you. You do you. Engage. All right, we're gonna get out of here because this is getting well ridiculous. <laughs> But thank you for listening. As always, please do uh, uh, subscribe and share the podcast and let people know. Write us a review. That that actually, I know you hear that a lot on podcasts, but it really does help from what we are told. Now, see, that's the thing. People are telling us this. We don't know. But apparently, I, I, if you write a review, yeah, you know, you study yeah. those optics, those metrics. Yeah, yeah. Search engine well, optimization, right. you know. The more people are talking about a thing, it boosts it in the algorithm, you know. Oh, SEO, of course. SEO Speedwagon. So uh, <laughs> SEO Speedwagon oh, us right to the top of the podcast you. charts. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Somebody who knows half of us know. <laughs> um, so yeah, do uh, if, if you think of it, please do that and tell, tell a friend about the podcast. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Star Trek The Pod Directive. Until then, you know what to do. You better live long and you better prosper. Do them both. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.